is the Doing Diversity in Writing podcast, the show where we as authors explore the better practices of writing inclusively, whether that be in terms of race, gender, ethnicity, class, sexuality, ability, and so on. Why are we here? To bring more depth and breadth to the characters in our fiction and represent them in the best way possible. My name is Bethany A. Tucker, and with me each week is my co-host, Marielle S. Smith. Ready? Let's dive in. Hey, Marielle. Welcome to season two. Hey, Bethany. I shouldn't be welcoming you. I'm welcoming everyone else to our season two. Yes. Hi, season two. Wow. Yeah, it's, I will honestly say it's kind of a thrill to be here at this point because season one happened during so much upheaval for both of us. There were times we were like, are we even going to get one season out? And then here we are, we have made it um, to 2022 and we are doing season two which has a special topic. Do you want to introduce what our topic is this season? Yes, so season two, we are going to talk about race and ethnicity. And, you know, if something comes up that intersects with that, we will obviously talk about that as well. Um, But yeah, that's going to be our focus now. Race, ethnicity, how do we um, write racial and ethnic characters. And we, I think we need to make it very clear from the get-go um, is that for us, like the white race is a race. Yeah, I would say I'm very uncomfortable saying the white race, but I also am very uncomfortable saying like yeah. Asians. Um, yes. Having lived over there, I'm very comfortable saying you know, these people are Han Chinese. These people are yes. Uyghurs in the country of China. These are Aihu. These are Japanese. Um, so I know that we will end up using these broader terms like white, black, Asian, etc., just because it's really hard to avoid doing that. But I will admit, I, I have a lot of hesitation. Like if someone asks me, what are you? I'll, I will say that I am you know, Irish, Northern European, and Ashkenazi Jew, according to my DNA. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but that is the thing. It's like, like, it's the same, um, like, race itself doesn't actually exist. It's very much a human construct, but that doesn't mean that we think of terms, in terms of race, And that kind of thinking has effects. It really, really does a lot. And and I will also say that the the racial terms we have today um, definitely come from colonialism and definitely come from politics and have changed and shifted. And we don't even have the same terms from Europe to North America as we discovered as we researched for the season. Yes, but that's sad. Like, I, I, I... The way we've been doing race has been going on for much longer. I would say that the colonialists used everything that was already said and written about race because we've been trying to distinguish between people with a different skin color for a long, long, long time, much, long, much, much, much longer than we've been um, 
colonialism. I'm saying we, as as you know, white the white race, white Europeans. Um, so they've used that knowledge, and I'm, I'm using knowledge like in quotation marks um, because this is old stuff, but that doesn't yeah. make it any less of a human construct. No, not at all. And I would say we aren't really here to hash out how these terms came to be or no. what they are. Books <laughs> on that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you really, really need to know, Google it. If you can't find what you need, ask one of us. You'll get the academic side of us downloading information to your email. But we're really here to talk about what this means for us as writers. Yeah, I, I do. I was thinking, um, shall we briefly mention the difference, though, between race and ethnicity? Yes, because I think that does matter for writers yes. a lot. So this is actually and, you know, as a um, I was going to say a former academic, but I don't I think you can take the girl out of academia, but I don't think you can take academia out of the girl. Um, um, I can vote that academia is never far away from you. <laughs> yes. So um, I was looking for how best to, well, like for a good definition or a good comparison. And I actually found it on Wikipedia, which is like this source I always told my students not to look but like I this is actually quite a a, a solid one so I'll, I'll give you this one uh, so on wikipedia it says and I quote ethnicity is used as a matter of cultural identity of a group often based on shared ancestry language and cultural traditions while race is applied as a taxonomic grouping based on physical similarities among groups Race is a more controversial subject than ethnicity due to common political use of the term. End of quote. Yeah, I really like that because I had no idea that I had Ashkenazi Jew in me until I took a DNA test. And I would say I'm not Jewish in any way, shape or form. Um, I have none of that culture was I raised around. I don't know the next thing about it, but it's in my DNA. So for me, that's one easy way to think about it in my own life. Yeah. I don't, I have no idea what my DNA would say about me. I know I'm I mean, half Scottish, I'm half Dutch. <laughs> that's all I know. I found out that at one point in time, voters from Africa, so people with very dark skin, I don't know what tribe or region exactly, but people from Africa were up and down the coast of um, what is now the United Kingdom and Ireland. So technically people could have intermingled like over a thousand years ago on the coastlines. Yeah. yeah. So I have no idea. But then again, and this is a, a, a mass generalization, Europeans are not as obsessed with roots and ancestry as like every American I've ever met knows that they're like one 30 second part something right that is not really um I think that's because we have less of a grounding in history all of our most of our cities probably. look really new there's less like when I went to Asia I mean, my story mind got so excited because you could see history, you could see the story of a 
of a people, of a kingdom, etc., all around you. And here, it's like that building was 60 years old. And, you know, <laughs> in 20 yeah. more years, it can be a national landmark. Yeah, I remember the first time I, I had some, uh, when I was studying in, in, in Ireland in uh, uh, University College Dublin, I had some American friends and eventually they came over to the Netherlands and there were so many things that they were like, this is older than our country. And, mm -hmm. and of course, I, I had to remind them that it's <laughs> not. Um, but yes, it it it's it's older than you know, when the U.S. got the name U.S. or America or like not even America, but like the, the United States of America. Yes, definitely. Like I, I come from a medieval town. I, so I yeah. find that so interesting and exciting. And I like to bring those ideas to my work because I take a lot of inspiration from history. So I actually Do you know with your massive epic fantasy novel. Yes. I do. <laughs> I had no idea. So, yeah, sense of place is is really yeah. interesting. And I, I think it's something that is not as strong in the U.S., especially out West. We often, people move around so much, we don't know. They don't know their land ancestors. They don't know yeah. um, what came before. It's just, you know, our local Walmart's over there and that's our grocery store and we go to work. Yeah. Yeah, Which that doesn't is make for an exciting yeah. fantasy novel or something. <laughs> no, hence probably the obsession with where do we come from. Um, yeah, which is it's interesting how that does that the grounding and that being rooted or not having roots. Yeah, if you um, think about a like a Charles Dickens novel, which is set in England and France, his deep detailed descriptions has so much to do with history without saying it's history the sense of place comes across so strongly in his work yeah yeah but we had a yeah. focus for today yes i mean we could talk about this forever clearly um yeah so so in during this season we are going to talk about different topics and we don't have a clear plan we have them we have them sort of mapped out but not in a logical, more in a, this is what we need to talk about now. Yeah, we're kind of bringing in topics that are relevant to the theme of the season. And we will have guests. We've already recorded one of our guest episodes, and I'm really excited to share it with you all soon. So we're, we're going to stick with our theme, but we're also going to play a little bit and, and kind of definitely some of these episodes will be answering like questions that we see all the time which is actually today's uh topic yeah which is on how to write skin color yeah is a question that i see almost any time i end up in a writing group forum <laughs> anywhere <laughs> yes it's very cool but that is what so that's what i meant is like we we the topics will be whatever we come across and we know our questions that we see a lot so we know we need to address this by the way you talked about our interviewee it's actually Antoine's birthday today oh happy birthday Antoine yes just wanted to point that out but yes listeners you will listen to Antoine in a few episodes to come but yeah so today we're going to talk about skin color yes how to write skin color how to write it how to talk about it how to acknowledge it yeah what I see a lot is people are afraid of getting it wrong. 
or yes. they're not used to talking about the particular skin color that they are working with in their current manuscript. And so they come to these forums and they ask, and I'm glad people are asking. If you are one of these people who have asked, I will always applaud people for asking. Yeah. Um, so we, we've done this in our own books to a certain extent. So this is something we've done ourselves. And we also, you know, looked at best practices that other people have talked about and we've kind of synthesized some of this today. Yes. And like you said, like, this is one of those uh, questions that you see everywhere. And like you said, like, I'd rather that people ask, even if they feel uncomfortable, because they feel like they should know how to do this. The thing is that, and we talked about this before, is that the norm is white characters. Yes. And we tend to only describe, this is, of course, we talked about when we talk about marking versus Un, like the, the unmarked versus marked is that the norm often doesn't get marked so we only tend to describe something when it's not us when it is different yeah I don't know how many books I cracked open in preparation for this episode where um, a character of northern European descent they had their eye color described their hair color described yes but their skin color was never described. But if there was someone who wasn't white um, described, then their skin color might be described. Um, and this happened over and over and over again. Yeah. And I was like, well, we're not marking the unmarked, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I would say that some of the examples that I came up with for today, like just looking, I basically did, and, and this is just a tip for everyone, what I based, because Bethany actually cracked open some actual books. Well, most of my novels are still in the Netherlands, so I have a few. But what I did is I took my Kindle, I started searching for words like skin and complexion. And then just see how the the authors of the books that I have on my Kindle were dealing with that. So we, we just did, both did that kind of research just to show, to give you some examples of what are perfectly normal ways to describe skin. But before we go to the how to do it, let's, let's start with a like the clearest, do not do it this way. Like there is yeah. a very clear don't when it comes to writing skin color. Do you want to take that? Sure. So the first very clear don't, and this is the biggest, is do not yeah. compare skin color to food. Just yes. don't do it. Yes, um, it's like, like, don't, don't, it's just like, don't try to make excuses. Don't try to talk yourself. No. Yes. Just or don't do it. Even if the the people group that you're describing, even if they might describe each other in terms of food, like my mother-in-law made uh, in front of me has described her daughter as her chocolate daughter. I will never refer to my sister-in-law as chocolate because no. that that's not my right. And even some people in these communities may choose not to do that just because they don't want to encourage the fetishizing. Now, if, if it's something they do and you hear it, that's fine. That's what they choose to do. But if you don't share that people group, don't take that liberty. You haven't been given permission. Yes. And don't, yeah, like, like I'm glad you brought this up because you hear this a lot as well, right? But they do it. They use the N-word with each other. And if you take that 
discussion broader like people use the word queer for example but it's it depends on who gets to claim something yeah and technically they don't use the n-word with each other they use a different word that starts with n but it's actually said differently true actually that's a really good point yes yeah it is a different word and they definitely know (laughs) Yeah, but that's what and you shouldn't use does, either one. Right? They they reclaimed it, right? They reclaimed a form yeah. of it, and yeah, if you're not in that group, if you do not belong to that group, don't do either one. Yeah, and the, so the same goes for comparing skin color to food. So yeah. we actually have some really good sources if you want to read some more about this. There is uh, this is a, a website I always use. Um, it's the Writing with Color Tumblr. And uh, I think it's Colette, there's multiple mods. I think it's Colette who's writing that, for example, if you write uh, people in terms of, of food, skin color in terms of food, it's fetishizing. And, and she focuses on, um, on, on Black people and people of color specifically. But I would say that it can also be very fetishizing and object, objectifying when you describe white women in terms of like milky or peachy or something, right? Like anything that's edible or to be consumed because that's what it's about. It's about, that's why I use the word objectifying. You turn somebody into something to be consumed. Yeah. That's what makes it problematic. It's something to be consumed and something that, you know, if you leave it on the counter too long, will eventually go bad (laughs) in a short period of time. I remember as a, as a child reading um, a book was probably by a white male author and it kept describing women in terms of milk and dewy and cream. And I was really uncomfortable with this even as like a seven or eight year old girl. Cause I'm like, milk gets dirty so fast. Do I like have to stand in the shower (laughs) to stay this clean to be considered beautiful? Okay, so that's even a better, that's also a good reason not to do it because not everybody might have, like I, for example, I grew up, I, 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 so I'm a vegan now, but I never liked the taste of milk. So describing some, somebody's skin in terms of milk just makes me go, Ugh. so, you know, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have the same connotations for the same kind of, yeah. So it, it's something to avoid. It's something to avoid. I'm not saying that if like someone is working with like, there's a a YouTuber from China. I haven't checked her in a while, but she uses natural products, which some of which include items that could be food to create like historical makeup. So yeah, you could, if you were writing about someone watching this, you could say, you know, this flower that she ground up was the same color as her lips. You can still do that because that's objectively what's happening as part of this event that's taking place. But you wouldn't say she had lips of the rose or something. Well, that's, but that's actually because, because flowers are uh, mentioned as an alternative. Yeah. So I was thinking on this post specifically of like, food that was being prepared to be eaten oh um, yeah okay so like uh the buds on it and then there's like a fruit so you wouldn't like you wouldn't describe she had lips of whatever kind of fruit i'm forgetting fruit from that era of the world era 
area of the world, I can speak English, but you could use the name of the flower. Yeah. That's usually that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I will say as a writer though, if you have a character that would not want to be described in terms of flowers, that maybe they that you don't do that. Or you do it and it makes them mad. <laughs> like yes. use it to build character. You like, can play with that, yeah. Yeah. Try and to I, use, yeah. Try to use textures and concepts that add to the greater overall idea of who the character is. Yeah, I mean, and later on, like we have a massive list of things you can do. Yeah, uh, and like flowers uh, come there. So, so another reason why why uh, and like you already mentioned, like when you grew up, like there were so many women described as milky and creamy and dewy. I mean, I hate the word dewy. And <laughs> the, the writing with color tumbler mentions well, like it's cliche, right? So even if it wasn't like even if it wasn't fetishizing and especially in terms when we talk about black people, people of color, when you talk about like coffee and chocolate, those are considered extra problematic because it's directly rooted in our colonial past and the slave trade. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know, she says, it's also just cliche and we are writers and we don't want that. We don't want to do cliche, right? So just stop doing it. Um, even if you do not agree with what we just said. Right. Because I was I was I, I got into some. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole when I was looking into this and I actually made the mistake of reading some comments on an article that was mm-hmm. pointing out that we shouldn't be describing people in terms of food. And this person was like, but it's a compliment. And that just made me think of, you know, if we're being catcalled and we show that we don't appreciate it, that the person catcalling us will say, you should be happy that we are giving you attention or that we even want to acknowledge you as being good looking enough to be looked at in this way, right? And I'm like, no, no, it's just, it gave me all the wrong, yeah. Yeah, let, don't get me started yeah. on that. It's happened to yeah. me and it's it's definitely actually led to a dangerous situation. <laughs> yes. um, but it just just that comment like, but it's meant as a compliment. You shouldn't be. And I'm like, no, if you think if you're listening to us and you think, but it can be it can be a compliment. There are millions of other words that can be considered. Like. Yeah. Great for that, right? Exactly. So get more creative. Um, yes. And that's what this episode is going to be about. So there is a how, one exception to the food. Yes. I was bowl. just going to ask about that. Like, how do you feel about that one? So it's the word olive. And it is a bona fide color word. Like I took art class and this is a color that has no other word for it. Yeah. You also have olive green. There is olive. There's olive wood. So I, I think this is actually a word that can be used because not the only thing invoked is actual olives and olives come in such a wide range of color that it's also not saying this olive because there's more than one color olive. So I believe it is referring to the color itself when you use the word olive for someone's complexion. I think it's, it's what you said. It's um, when you compare what they call olive skin 
like on those skin charts, right? Mm-hmm. And if you can, I mean, it doesn't, it looks nothing like an olive, right? But it does look more like olive wood. Yes. And wood colors yeah. are actually one of those safer alternatives. Yes, so which we will bring up later. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to mention it because people can be like, once people get on the defense, they can be like, but all of this are food. I'm like, yes, but we were not talking because we're not described, unless you're writing some really nice fantasy novel or you're describing somebody who's about to puke. <laughs> you use the word olive, you don't mean it in the green sense. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. So specifically for characters that would be considered black, we do have one book we would like to recommend if oh, you want to yes. dig deeper. Yeah. Do you want to introduce it? Yeah, it's the um, it's the it's a book by Sultan Sage, and it's called How to Write Black Characters: An Incomplete Guide. So one of their chapters is on skin color, but they also do chapters on hair and and stuff like that. So it's um, and they're very honest about the fact that it's an incomplete guide. All of their guides are incomplete guides because they know it's going to grow like, like, like our podcast, you know, it's, it's going to keep growing and the new knowledge is going to show up and new examples are going to show up and, and better practices. And um, so that is definitely something I want to link to in the show notes. It will be in the show notes. I really appreciate how these guides by Sultan Sage are put together because yeah. they have Sultan Sage um, is a, a company that offers services to writers, editing and sensitivity reading. Yeah. And they have their sensitivity readers um, contribute to these guides. So you're getting the opinions and the experiences of a lot of different people. And it's definitely a community type project. And they, that brings more perspective. And I find that to be a much more reliable type resource is when you're bringing in a lot of people's perspectives. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I really love their guides. So specifically, if you want to, if you're writing black characters, um, like I said, it's not, it doesn't just talk about skin color. It, it really talks about the tropes and everything. So definitely get it. It's short, it's very to the point yeah i hope they keep producing more of these guides i believe they have four or five out now five but they in this one on in this one on black characters they actually also write a little bit about multiracial uh, and biracial uh, characters and they actually promise in the guide that there will eventually be a guide on multiracial and biracial characters as well because it's it's it comes with different tropes it does uh, and different does. do's and don'ts so i'm really looking forward to that one as well yeah yeah i don't know if we'll ever if in this season we'll have an, an episode on that or not but i know that we'll be talking about it in context of other things yes to talk about obviously yeah yeah so there's another I and mean, we'll, we'll talk about this source as well i just thought it was this is one article that was linked because if you go to the writing with, with color tumblr like they offer lots of resources as well so on this particular post um they link to um a post with like lots of words to use i just love that the author of this post also is like don't do it like don't just mention that that we shouldn't describe people in terms of food and their example is just imagine some random stranger like 
coming up to you and telling you that your skin looks like something they want to lick or put in their mouth, right? It's just gross. So I thought that was just, um, and I know we're going to link to this post as well because she offers really good words for both, um, writing all kinds of skin, basically from white skin to, to black skin. Yeah. I just like putting it out there. Like if someone came up and just said they wanted to lick me, I would probably <laughs> be hard pressed not to respond in a violent manner to defend my body autonomy. Yeah. I have more vocal resources now that I'm an older person, but if I was younger, you, you might've eaten my fist before you, you licked anything else. Well, I mean, you grow, you grow, you, you, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And another, also, what, which one are you going to? There's a, another term while we're talking about people with black skin uh, that oh, yeah. we shouldn't use. And I don't know how prevalent this was in Europe, but it's definitely in the U.S. where they used to call people colored people. Oh God! Yes, uh, that's the Dutch situation. Colored, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, I hear it, and it makes me think of Jim Crow laws. It's definitely not. It's yeah. It has a complicated history where some people definitely you would identify that way, but I wouldn't say that they identify that way anymore. And rule of thumb is err on not using it or use it. If you're writing historical books, and that is the correct term at the time, but if you're using it historically, you definitely get a sensitivity reader and know what you're doing with the time period you're writing in. Yeah. So this, uh, this also this advice comes from the Sultan Sage book, um, how to write black characters, and just to make sure for the for the listeners that they know. So we're talking about the term colored, because yes. we we do say black people or people of color, which is different which is different. And while we're at that, I do want to say is that from the Dutch context, so this is depending on where you are writing in, like what sort of context, what place your story is set, the, this might be different in that particular culture. So for example, to say a person of color in the Netherlands, that is like one of the most demeaning things you can say. If you translate it, directly Mm. that is just for me that all my oh fuck he's a racist alarm bells will go on like will go off because that's and the same the, the 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 direct translation of the word black has really been reclaimed over the past decade or so okay so you and, need and, to know your region, especially when you're yes. handling some of these terms. For example, yes. when I lived in Asia, China specifically for what I'm going to say next, like girls who had been out in the sun a lot, they would say, oh, my skin's so black after they tanned, basically. And some people do get very, very dark over there. My husband is, is black and he's, he's fairly dark for a black person in the U.S., and he went to India and he's like, there's people darker than me here. And, and there were people in China who were almost as dark as him. So if you're running for that area, someone might call themselves or say that their skin is black, but it doesn't mean that they are from Africa. 
and that's just something to know for your situation. People of the exact same heritage would refer to their skin as white, say in the winter, or if they had been very fortunate and able to cover their skin up and keep it light. So know where you are and what you're doing. And I wouldn't say you need to feel bad using those terms because those are the terms people are actually using in the place they're using it. Yeah. Yeah, so um, there is some that, class yeah. and beauty and um, classist tendencies for women trying to be white in China and like covering up and the more money you make, the less you work, the lighter you can keep your skin. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's, that's a whole nother situation that I won't go into right now, but it is, it is there and it has to do with skin tone. Yeah, that was the Netherlands like a hundred years ago. Like now it's more like if you have my skin, which is quite pale and freckly, it's like, oh, so you'll never get a nice tan. So, yeah. Yeah. Sort of like my skin a hundred years ago would have been like, people would be so jealous. (laughs) And, And you're like, ah, I can never go to the beach without a ton of sunblock. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, all right. We talked about that. We talked about. Yeah. Uh, By the way, you say China. You're saying sunblock. So I want to, because these are some of the sort of related questions that we come across, right? Um, a, a lot of people don't seem to know that people with darker skin tones have to use sunscreen. They absolutely can need it. Um, absolutely. And people with darker skin tones absolutely can tan. For example, my husband, he gets a red undertone after being out in the sun for a long time. He almost glows red underneath and, and his skin gets darker. So I find it very attractive. I'm married to him, but, <laughs> um, but it's, it's an actual, it, it is, he can burn. It takes him days longer than it takes me to burn with your Irish skin yes my skin is so fine I can burn in like 30 minutes it is annoying especially when I spend time in the southern regions of the world but um well near the equator regions of the world sorry for everyone who's like living in Australia or New Zealand and it's cold at other parts of the year so uh Yes, he he can. And my mother-in-law, for example, uh, definitely uses sunblock at times um, because you don't want to get skin cancer. And that's still a possibility. (laughs) Yes. And likewise, um, another question, related question. Do black people and people of color, do they blush? Do they flush? Do they do they pale? Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely to all of it. Yes. Yes, it, it might, it might present slightly differently. Um, A word that I've seen used, um, there was one book I was reading, and the lady is Egyptian, I believe, Arab Egyptian, though she pointed out that she wouldn't have identified as anything but Egyptian when she was a child. And like, politically, they became Arab later, but her father was on oxygen at the end of his life. And so he wasn't getting as much oxygen towards his skin because of um, uh, being ill. And she described his skin as ashy. 
uh, which is, yeah. is definitely a, a word I've, I've seen used repeatedly. And I think it definitely fits when someone with darker skin, it's not that they turn like white as a ghost, as people have said, but it's a paler, unhealthy form of the skin color that they already have. Yeah. It's the same as, as uh, sallow. Yeah, you can be sallow right. for whatever skin tone you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I just wanted to have those out of the way before we start on our, what, how, how, how then do we write it? Just because I know that those two are very related questions. I see them a lot. Like, what do we do? Well, there's a bit of advice anyway. If you're ever worried about any of these things, maybe read a book by a person, uh, written by a Black person or uh, a person of color. Yeah, like read a book by someone from the Mediterranean who yeah. has darker if skin. You, yeah, that's always yeah. a good research. Uh, that's, all, all, that's always a good way to research. Uh, what can I say? Although you do have to keep in mind that whatever might be in the book, might be sad because it's you know um, what we just said a little caveat that people within their own community can say different things to to and about each other than people from outside their community so you do have to be a little bit careful there but yeah. it's always good to go for inspiration okay so how 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 do they describe each other and themselves and it will get you and a also, lot further yes and also how do they describe white people because we don't often see descriptions of white people. Yeah, I've actually seen like white people described as red a lot because the the people that they ran into were drunk sailors. And so there was mm. a lot of red in people's skin. So they'd be like, you know, yeah. those, those red-skinned Americans. <laughs> and they totally meant something different. Um, I'm forgetting where which book I read this in, or maybe it was a historical piece. Um, but I laughed because it was so right. It absolutely described the red fleshed faces of um, the college students that I went to school with for a while when they'd come back from drinking. Yeah. So now you mentioned red. This is another absolute don't. Um, don't use the very basic terms red and yellow for Native Americans and Asian people, respectively. Yes. It is, it's not the same as saying white or black even. Or brown um, or beige or. Yeah, and, and breaking yeah. down the why would take us a long time um, to parse out. There are uh, ideas of weakness and illness associated with yellow culturally in English that makes it less than positive besides historical stuff, as well as like concept of wickedness and hedonism and the devil with red. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's just like surface level reasons why not to do it. Yeah, but, but also, and this is something that I really wanna stress um, throughout the rest of the episode is that when you are describing someone, maybe look up what something actually looks like and then you will find that certain terms just really like you you've been and you've described it as well in previous episodes that like you have lived in asia right yes no nobody's actually yellow no no one's actually no. yellow no but there some of them are really white some of them have a really uh a darker brown complexion um 
So there is variety, and the same goes for uh, Native Americans. Yes. All indigenous peoples. So do look up who you are describing and actually compare, like put it next to something. Yeah. I'm just going to tell a little bit of a funny story. When I was a kid, I had this um, box of crayons and it was new and I was very excited about it. And I was trying to, I don't know if you had them in Europe, but we had this, these precious moment coloring books of these stylized people with overly large heads, um, like precursors to chibi type stuff now. I'm but drawing a blank, but go ahead. Okay. There were these coloring books that was like, it was mostly like almost cartoon portraits of people that were supposed to be very cute and pretty. Um, and I would, I was trying to color the faces on some of these. And I asked my mother what pencil I was supposed to use. And I had recently understood that there were black people and white people and that I was supposedly white. And my mother and I had an entire discussion about this because I literally picked up the white crayon and I shook it at her. And then I held it against my skin and I said, mama, there's a problem. I think they got it wrong. And she was like, well, they just use that as a term, but this is the right color. And she pulled out what was labeled like a flesh colored coloring crayon. And I didn't like it because it smeared all the time and got all the other colors in it and was always dirty. And I eventually like stopped coloring faces in most of the time. But it was just, it was, it was just one shade. And there's so many different shades of color, even in one community and one people group. So it's actually okay to like play with that and think about that. Like if someone's yeah. a sailor, they're going to have um, one tone. If, if someone works inside all the time, they may have another tone. Even in my own family, we joke that there's definitely some blonde Spaniard on one side or another because two of my siblings tan and look almost Mexican in the way they like tan or almost Spanish. Um, because they just tan so quickly and they look gold the rest of us tan and we like we turn like a, a burnt brown <laughs> or, or raw red yes yeah but that's the thing it's like so i i'm half scottish and i get my skin my very pale skin from my scottish side but before my dad moved from scotland to germany and then he moved to the netherlands where he met my mom he was a sailor so mm. I remember my dad and my, my dad, I don't know, I was really young, but I remembered him as one of the darkest colored people that I know, that I knew because yeah. he was always, when he was not working, he was fishing. He was in the, like, he was doing, so he was always outside. He didn't do protection, right? I, I don't think I've ever seen him use sunscreen. So his skin became, in summer became a sort of leathery brown you know, mm -hmm. this old, um, like a, so a deep tanned leather. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, but you know, he's still, Scot he was, he was full Scottish and I really yeah. got my skin from him. So it's also, it also had, yeah, but like you said, it depends on, on where you are, where a character is, uh, what they do. It's uh, just another way to describe 
the life they live or their background or their history. Yeah. Have you reached that sweet place where you've written out your entire story? It's a wonderful feeling. You've worked so hard for this, spent so many long hours at the keyboard or talking to yourself via recorder, then going over it again at the computer. It's been mostly internal work and it's often been alone. But now it's time to take it from rough to polished. And for that outside perspective is essential. Let me help you. As a developmental editor, I, Bethany A. Tucker, will take your hand, sort through your draft, answer your questions, and help you polish it until your work shines. You don't have to do this alone. It doesn't matter if this is your first book or your 10th book, whether you publish this book already and want to make it better, or you're teetering on the edge, eager to publish for the first time. Together, we can take your book to the next level. Contact me via links in the show notes or at theartandscienceofwords at gmail.com to take the next step. Okay, shall we so, dive into our, what can we use? Yeah, let's do that. What's, okay. So uh, so this is, uh, we've got the, so we will link to these sources. So some of them are the writing with color Tumblr. There is the, the other article that I just mentioned with other words. We're just putting all the links in the show notes. So go there for yourself. So we have the basics and there's nothing wrong with just using the basics. You don't have to go. I was literally the earlier and I didn't copy it because I hate example, but I was going through some of my Kindle eBooks and there are some anthologies in there. Mm. And I found like, I was, so I was looking for the word skin and I found this full sentence description of somebody's black skin I think I wasn't even sure at the end I just knew it was an exotic kind of skin and it was like four sentences on my kindle page and I was like no no somebody needs to tell this person that you can simply you you can simply say brown it's fine (laughs) so the basics are black brown beige white and pink you cannot really go wrong there not too much no no yeah There's more complex colors that you can use, like umber, sepia, ochre, russet, uh, terracotta, gold, tawny, uh, topay, khaki, fawn, etc. Um, I wouldn't overuse russet too much, um, but it is you know, that I, definitely been used. I was thinking the same thing, but it comes up almost everywhere I've looked as this is a good one. It, it does come up as a good one. It's one yeah. of the words that I became sensitive to after revisiting Twilight because it got used so often in negative well, contexts. I have to say, like, when I see that word, I'm like, no. So so this is also for us, for, for the listeners as well. Like, you can thread with care and still pick all the colors that you're, you know, that you're allowed, I'm just using like quotation marks there, um, to use. But that doesn't mean that nobody will still take a little bit of offense because there will always be people like, apparently we both don't like the word. Other people's might not have any problems with the word. With the word. Yeah. For me, so, I have associations from historical readings where certain students that I believe was in a church university in England, they had to wear russet um, robes. Um, so I think for me it just has some associations but nothing that would make me say no you can't use it I would I would just personally shy away from it 
yeah so that's what i'm trying to say right that's just there's always going to be that yeah like so the thing about these complex colors is that they work well in combinations with basic colors so if you want to just you know sort of like make it a bit more interesting you can say russet brown or tawny beige yeah right just to give it a bit more complexity yeah um, um blue black skin is actually something excuse me i'm gonna sneeze here <laughs> sorry about that um is it's actually a skin color that i've heard um people use i believe there is and i do not know her name but she recently became like the first uh supermodel in paris uh she did a walk in paris i believe um with like blue black skin like really 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 dark skin and that's one of the ways to describe it yeah so you can there's there's lots of varieties and i think with these more complex colors if you combine them with the basics you can get a lot of variety in your work if you want to but still keep it simple yeah so you don't have to spend yeah. a ton of time on it you can also use yeah. modifiers like dark deep rich cool we've already used some of these uh, as yeah. we were talking what yeah. would be some other modifiers warm like you were talking about your husband's skin like it gets his warm yeah reddish, a warm right? red glow to it yeah uh, so warm medium um fair light pale pale i mean we know pale that's yeah. that's like the one thing that is used a lot when when people talk about white characters um and you can combine like so you can like you get a rich black a dark brown a warm beige a pale pink i think the only thing we need to make very explicit these are all modifiers and you can like it's it's not okay to just call somebody dark If they can be fully seen, I would say if the scene is unlit or someone's standing into shadows that you could still but, use it. But that is different. If you yeah. describe somebody as looking like they're, they're cause like when I was during the research, it just popped up that it's like vague, right? Like, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's potentially offensive because we're doing the dark and light again, right? When we think about twilight. Yeah. Yeah, I would so agree. Wanted, I just, I didn't want people to be like, well, I'm writing a scene and you can't see any color. I would like, well, yes. But then when you, you get light in the scene, then you could describe yes, it again. If that, if that's the case, your white, your, your, your white skin characters will also look dark. They will also look dark. Yeah. Um, they'll just yeah. be, unless you're as pale as I have been, in which case you kind of glow in the light, <laughs> according to my husband, and he laughs because he can always see me in a dark room and I can't see him. Yeah, that's um, me when I, uh, when summer comes and I wear shorts for the first time. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, everybody's like, where's my sunglasses? Um, there's really also funny. undertones, and one of yeah. my favorite resources for, like, talking about color it, strangely enough, it's um, a series of books or a website or whatnot. It's called Color Me Beautiful, and it's actually been designed to help people choose um, clothing colors that complement mm -hmm. their skin. But yeah. if you want ideas for skin tones, undertones, and like what colors, like um, the actual word for colors, just go look up Color Me Beautiful. Like get the book from your local library if you're in the US or look it up online. 
because it will give you a lot of ideas for working with like color tones. So undertones um, that, that I have in front of me would be like warm earth undertones. There are There is an actual kind of skin tone in every kind of skin tone in the world, which is a yellow undertone. And I would yeah. not say that that is disrespectful. It's, it's just a fact that there are two kind of main undertones, ones that lean a little bit more like uh, like blue and ones that lean a little bit more like yellow. And that's that's just the way people are. Yeah, or green, I think. I think you can see your own by, by checking whether your veins look green or blue. Mm. And that's when you know you're, I think if it's green, you're warm. And if it's blue, you're cool, I think. My veins are definitely like kind of change depending on the light, but that yeah, I, you have, I to, have to play with that. You have to ch check this in in natural daylight. Yes. Yeah. All right. So yeah. yes, you can you can play with it if you don't want to use the word yellow. I can understand if you didn't, but uh, you can definitely use uh, synonyms of yellow, of which we have a lot. You can use like jewel tone synonyms of yellow if you wanted to. But I think it's different if you call somebody, oh, I have to think now. Yeah, I'm just going to say yellow beige sounds weird, yellow brown. Because I would, I would say, so I, if you, if you, the thing with the problem with the term yellow and the same, because when you talk about cool undertones, you have red, reds in there. So it's, again, it's about using the terms on it on their own, red skin, yellow skin. Yeah, I would say cool undertones would be blue and warmer undertones are in the red, reds. I oh, no, associate no, blue with the pink, colors. Pink, pink and red is, are cool undertones. Really? Yes, they are. Blue, red, rose, magenta, magenta, I don't huh. know how to pronounce that. Yeah, the, the warm earth undertones are like golden, copper, yellow, which like you said, olive, bronze, orange, orange, red coral red red real red is actually a really cool color i i've always grouped them completely opposite blues have always been the cool ones well the red and the blues are not far apart <laughs> in terms just in terms of i've had my own version of that book that you described right um mm -hmm. so yeah i've always known that um uh, this is funny, right? How we have connotations around certain colors. But I, I, for example, cannot wear pink or red or like vibrant blue. Yeah, I can because wear I don't blacks suit and really strong jewel tones and pinks and all that. Yeah, so then you probably you have probably a cool undertone. And I, I have a warm undertone. Yeah, I'm considered a winter according to Color Me Beautiful. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know what I would be, but I definitely cannot wear pink, red, blues. So, yeah. You're either so, a spring or a fall. Probably a fall. I like that better. Yeah. Anyway. are a little stronger. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. I just wanted to show, like, I have this one example from Cassandra Clare, obviously, because um, one of the cool undertones is silver. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I was just as I was going through all the books I have on, on Kindle, uh, this is from um, a short story um, about Magnus Bain and Alec Lightwood. And so Magnus, who is a person of color, he describes Alec 
uh, in the following way. So Alec Lightwood is a, is a white uh, character. Um, the moonlight turned Alec's skin silver and his eyes a darker, deeper blue, infinitely tender. So this is like how he uses sort of like a natural setting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just thought that was a nice... Um, and it gives this really, just the description, gives the whole scene this sort of cool, coolness. Right? Yeah. yeah. I like it. Okay. So let's talk about getting creative, because this is what I really appreciate about uh, the writing with Color Tumblr, is she, um, I don't necessarily agree with all the examples that she gives, but she does inspire us to get creative and just try different things. And, and this is where I've really learned for myself to actually look at what things look like when you describe them instead of thinking that this is what it's called. There is such a huge difference in what we think something might be called and what the actual thing looks like when you like just compare a picture of the thing and a person's skin tone or skin color. Yeah, because describing Alec Lightwood as silver um, lets you really think and see the scene that's being described versus just saying his skin was pale in the moonlight. The reader yeah. just goes right over that. You've heard it a thousand times. But when you say silver, you're drawn into the experience of the narrator who's describing what they see. Yes. Yeah. So um, here's one example that we have. Um, her face was like fire, like the fire gold glow of dawn, lifting my gaze, drawing me in. Yeah. So this is the natural settings that she says, go, go, go creative with them. Um, she had a sandy complexion, smooth and tawny. Yeah. So we've, we've mentioned this before. We can use flowers, plants, nature. I enjoy nature because humans, we do come from nature if we often step away from it. Um, uh, wood, metals, gemstones is one of my favorite. I don't overuse it in my actual writing, but it's a good place to think about color. Yeah, I, I, I did find some examples that we'll discuss in a bit. Um, I, I had the funniest because, you know, I have a giant box of gemstones, right? I have a giant box of crystals. Yes, still so jealous. I, yeah, so I, of <laughs> course, I had to go in, right? Because I was I was doing my whole, you have to look at what you're describing to actually see what color it is, right? So I, I looked at my entire box and... So I am still, because I mean, I, I, I do live in Cyprus, so we have a long summer. Yes. Um, so I'm still a little bit tanned, as tanned as I get, you know, being a very pale, <laughs> freckled skin person. But I do have warm undertone skin, mm -hmm. right? So I do, I do not get, uh, I don't get red. Okay. Right. So I was looking and just comparing all my crystals and I started with rose quartz and stuff like that because that's like the most obvious for me like pink right no it were the paler variants of yellow calcite and yellow chalcedony yeah I really don't get the pink very few people are actually pink skin just yeah. saying that when yeah. you when you talked about that and you were like um yellow calcite yellow chedoni Am I Chalcedony? I, I think it's Chalcedony. I don't know. Chalcedony. I don't know. Chalcedony. I was like, oh yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I have some citrine here. I think this is citrine. And it, it makes me think of some of the tones in your skin. 
oh that's great because like citrus is like one of my favorites yeah it was the first stone I thought of when I thought of your skin yeah tone. well maybe maybe I will because I'm losing a, the bit of tan I have so maybe I'll be more citrony um yeah but that goes to show right so it's it's like people could actually describe my skin it wouldn't be pink <laughs> or white no so so they could describe it in terms of yellow calcite yeah right yeah so just just a funny side because this this looking into this topic has opened my eyes even further uh so that was a really fun um fun thing for me so by the way we talk about skin we talk we, we use the word skin color um the writing with color tumblr also gives a whole bunch of sort of synonyms for the term skin right so if you are writing so things like apparent appearance blend blush cast coloring complexion flush glow hue overtone and many more we are giving you this so much in there so we are we are giving you the links just if you're like done writing the word skin right you can yeah. get so much more creative than that yeah yeah complexion is one i have used on occasion um yeah yeah i don't like writing skin a lot so i i usually go for something like this yeah so we have a couple more words here. Do we want to just run through them? Yeah, and I actually added these because um, that particular source, writing, writing with color, it does mention a few ways to write white skin color, but it's mostly focused on also the examples are mostly focused on Black people, people of, people of color. Um, I actually say some of these would be perfectly fine for some of my friends from like Japan. Yes, but I think we just established that there is a wide range mm-hmm. of people there. Um, but I'm just saying that the, the writing for color Tumblr focuses mostly on Black people and people of what they would call POC, right? So I, yeah. so this is from the article Tips on Words in Describing Skin for Writers. I basically took from that list words to describe white skin. Because we've talked about marking the unmarked and we mm-hmm. feel, we both think it's it's important we start doing that. Because if you mark a character who is kind of normative and by actually saying or, or describing that they are white, that opens up possibility that they could have been something else. Yeah. And also, if you keep right, if you keep describing only your quote unquote other characters, your more diverse characters um, in your novels. And you do not describe your white characters because they are like you. You we keep sort of like perpetuating that same divide. So I just thought it would be nice to give a list. And we are also including this link, obviously, but I thought it was just nice to go through the list of ways to describe white people. White yeah, skin. So- I'll read a couple of them. We have pale, which we talked about before. White, which I would argue very few people are actually white. Yes. Um, But it is there. And then pink, again, I spent too many years in art class to actually think most people are pink because I like never picked up that pencil. Um, But. You know who's pink? Who? A very pale 
white-skinned people who go on holiday <laughs> and they will be pink from the next day onwards. They'll be pink and angry red and then yeah, flaky yeah. white. Yes, yeah. That That's like kind of the progression, yeah. Like if someone's okay. blushing um, and they are of lighter complexion, calling them pink definitely works if they yes. actually blush. Yeah, yeah. So the other ones are like light, and then not all of them are like a compliment, right? No. Light, chalk, ivory, snowy, porcelain, pasty. I don't think pasty is ever a compliment. Um, pastel, lily, rosy, blush, beige again, sandy. Like there's more. Right? There's there more is. Yeah. And I would be careful using porcelain for women. Because um, it's often uh, associated with the actual porcelain, which is very fragile. So if you're using it for a female character, it can give the idea that she can break. So unless she is an actual fragile character, don't just start putting it. Like, like some characters are actually fragile and that might be what you want to say and that's fine. But if you're calling all of your lighter skinned women porcelain, you you might be sending a message you don't want to send. Yeah, it also reminds me of Kurt from Glee. He was called porcelain. And not, it was not by somebody who wanted to be nice, right? Yeah. 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 All right. So um, that's, that's for people of the lighter skin tones. Yeah. So um, this list also, you know, they... It's a massive list, and they also offer um, the lots of combinations for complex colors. But so these are just the ones I picked out, just a few. So if you're like, how do I describe white skin? Because there's not that much available. There is actually, there are there. quite a few options. Because like what you've been saying as well, there is so much variety. Yeah. So here's an example yeah. from Anne Rice's Blackwood Farm. She's describing the step. Lestat, which was her flagship character, his skin was a pale golden that offset his violet blue eyes wonderfully, and his hair was a true mane of yellow, tousled and curling just above his shoulders. Yeah, so pale golden, yeah. This is from a, a book on history that came before Columbus, which is about the Africans who uh, were in Central and South America before Columbus ever landed here. Most people don't know that there were Africans here before Columbus. So this is a, a quote about something that was happening in, well, I believe one of the Portugal courts. And the quote is, not since 62 um, BD, when the king of the Swabians presented Quintus Metellius Seller, the Roman proconsul in Gaul with a gift of quote, Indians cast upon the shores of Germany by storm, had men with, with skin the tinge of red sand been seen in Europe. So that's, that is a historian trying to walk the line of being respectful and still acknowledging what the documents were recording at the time. Okay, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, he's acknowledging like people didn't have words necessarily for the color of skin of the people from the Caribbean that Columbus had come I paraded around the courts of Europe, which was yeah. awful. But yeah. 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 I, and I like by the way, I see your nose and you say a lot of authors use blonde hair and blue eyes, and that pretty much 
includes lighter skin or that's just yeah okay pet peeve here I'll be honest, there are so many blonde, blue-eyed characters, especially in romance or like heroic type fiction, that uh, the percentage of blonde, blue-eyed characters in fiction far outstrips the actual percentage of the human population that is blonde and blue-eyed in reality. But that's because that's the norm. No, it's really not. No, I'm not. not, When I say norm... I say the same thing as white people are not the actual physical majority, right? We're dominant, right? But we're not actually a majority. Same with men. Men are not in the majority, but they're the dominant group. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. So the norm is not actually the most there is. It's just what we consider the human being. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two more examples that I thought were interesting, and they're a little bit different take on how to describe someone's complexion. Um, Louis L'Amour in The Walking Drum writes, quote, dark as an Arab from working on the fishing fleets beyond Iceland, where a character whose heritage is um, from the fens of what eventually became England, but they the character himself wouldn't have identified as English. Mm-hmm. Or I'm, a li- I'm not very good at the lines, so I'm saying England as the kingdom might have been in Wales, but it, it's in the United Kingdom and on okay. the same island as England. So don't say, don't say England as the kingdom. England never means the kingdom, only to English people. Okay, but England was a kingdom historically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not that. That's what I meant. Okay. I apologize if anyone thought I was talking about now. I was not. This book is set like four or five hundred years ago. So I'm not exactly sure politically how this character would have identified. I need to reread the entire book. But he was of a, a Celtic seafaring tribe and so he'd actually been beyond Iceland and just spent so much time in that really rough wind as a fisherman but he knew people and because they were seafaring he had a lot of cultures from all over the world as mm-hmm. he'd grown up around so he described himself as dark as an Arab in comparison to someone who attacked him who he said my knife was jerked from its sheath by a moon-faced man with unkept hair yeah so sometimes if the context is right just referring to someone as their tribe or designation politically or culturally is enough yeah i think that'll go a long way yeah 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 i think it will go a long way for a lot of things yeah if you say someone is scottish with bright red hair, they're probably not going to assume that you're politically Scottish and immigrated from say Hong Kong, like a Scottish man I knew who looked completely Chinese to me, but he spoke with a Scottish accent and was very adamant that he was Scottish. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I'm not very, I'm, I'm not necessarily a patriot. But then again, it's also a privilege not to have to care about these things. All right. So I had one more example that 
it was different not using an actual skin tone. I was reading a book and a character uh, walked into the room and this was first person. So the narrating character was thinking in their head and just said, he looked like a young Idris Elba. Oh yeah, um, that, that works, right? It totally works. Since I, immediately I knew what this person looked like. Yeah, so that's a very, that's a, that's a contemporary setting. That's a yeah. contemporary book, yeah. Yes, you have to know yeah. your audience and 50 years from yeah. now, someone's going to have to look on whatever the World Wide Web is for what Idris Elba Yeah, I don't looked think like. internet movie database might no longer exist. Yeah, for me, it works. I, I know exactly. I have a vision already, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I, I also have some contemporary examples. So um, Antoine Bandelet, who, who is his birthday? It's his birthday today. And, and we've interviewed him uh, a while ago. And I can, I'm not 100% sure when we are going to air the interview, but it will come soon. So I looked at his, one of his novels, The Gatekeeper Staff, um, how he did, um, how, how he writes uh, um, different kind of characters. So I, I love this example because it goes to show um, that yes, people with darker skin color actually, you know, they mm-hmm. their skin changes when they they can pale or they can flush, right? So he says, uh, "Mom's face when several shades lighter a testament against her dark complexion. Despite the change of color in her skin, she acted as though she didn't hear TJ." Uh, so TJ is the, the, the main character. And then he describes his other character, who I think is called Martinez. So he, so TJ, the, the, the main character, thinks he's some kind, he probably has some kind of Hispanic background. They're from New York, clearly, but there's some something like that. So he describes his character as his skin was darker than midnight, stark against his short snow white hair and beard. Um, huh. And then because I said there was also some, I have an example. Um, he also described later on in the novel, he described somebody with, as having obsidian skin. I've heard that one so, before. Yeah, so that's, I think actually that, because uh, I also looked up Claire Sager uh, and we will be interviewing her as well soon. Oh, yeah, she has in a in, in one of her novels, their arms gleamed, skin shading from amber to smoked quartz. I like it. And, and I know I, I I haven't I don't have it here, but I remember she calls one of her characters Jasper Brown, the skin color. Okay. Yeah. So that's something that she that she does. Yeah. 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 Just to give you a sense of of what other people are doing just exploring the full range of yeah. what color can be and how it can be described and the textures yeah. of it. Yeah. And that there are, there are so many options and you don't have to go overboard. Like I said, you don't have to have four sentences, one or two references, either direct or indirect can go a really long way by to mark a character in a specific way. I think the only thing I would be very careful with is um, while white, like white hair, blonde hair and blue eyes, we kind of know the person is white. Yeah. But that doesn't, if that the same doesn't go for brown hair and dark, like brown hair, dark hair and, and brown eyes. 
Or if you're writing sci-fi or a lot of people in Japan and China and Korea, their hair might actually be blonde and they might have blue eyes because of contacts and um, going to a salon. So yeah, just saying. Yeah, I'm just, the point I'm trying to make is that I see people instead of marking the skin color, they think yeah. it's enough to say that a person has like black hair and, uh, and dark eyes. And that is not because it's, you'll still, it's very easy to still see a white person in that because there are so many white people with dark brown uh, eyes and dark hair. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope this, uh... hello. To, to see how other writers are doing it. Like I said, it's really the easiest thing to do if you have a Kindle is to just, you know, look for words like we just gave, like s- complexion, skin. Um, run, a go- run a search through your Kindle or your other yes. reading devices. Or just like you did, crack open your books. Um, it was a fun couple and, hours. I got yeah. to revisit some of my favorite stories yeah. and be like, oh, I haven't read this in 20 years. I should reread it. So that is like the best way. And also, if you're really uncertain, read a novel by a person who would look like the person you're trying to describe and see what they do with their characters. If, of course, they are writing about characters who are like them. Yeah, and people are probably tired of me saying it, but go to your local library and check out a stack of books and flip through it if nothing else works. Yes. And then, of course, and you already mentioned this as well, is that we have to remember that we are more than our skin color. And there are like lots of other ways in, in which we can convey someone's racial or ethnic background. Yes. 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 And I'm sure this is going to come up in the episodes to come as well. But just as a reminder, and if we've seen some of that in the examples, also the ones that you gave, that you don't always have to be very no. explicit about a skin color while still making it extremely obvious what somebody looks like. Yeah, you can do that. Idris Elba in that one book is still like one of my favorites because it it was just so strong. Like we both knew exactly what this character looked like. Yes, like, oh yeah, we're done. Yeah, that works. Yeah, Yeah, it's very, it's very, yeah. Yes, and yeah, remember, now we know, yeah. And with very positive Um, associations. Yes, yeah, yeah, that as well, yeah. Yeah. So I actually really enjoyed the research for this one, this episode. Um, I'm really hoping it answers a lot of people's questions because when we started talking some fears. (laughs) Yes. When we started talking about the season, this was definitely like top on both of our lists of questions people are afraid of getting wrong, questions people ask when they start writing um, racially diverse characters. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to put all of the things we mentioned, all the resources we mentioned, we're going to put them in the show notes so that you can dive in yourself. And like we said, just the next time you you open a book, right, try to, you know, just make note of it when it comes up. Just just watch what happens. Um, I would like to also remind everyone when we're talking about extra materials and resources that we have what we're calling the toolkit, which is the resources and notes and exercises from season one. 
to help everyone get um, started. And that is now available on our website. Yeah, just, just a small, it doesn't include the notes. No, not just the, the show exercise. notes. Yeah. Oh yeah, just the exercises and the checklists. Yes, the exercises and the checklists. I yeah. mixed up my words. Thanks for correcting yes. me. The show notes are on the website if you want those, but the exercises yes. and checklists, we've put it all together. Marielle was amazing um, and uh, she's packaged it up into, I believe, a downloadable PDF. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So go to our website. It looks good. It's ready for people to visit. It has been for a while and go check that out. Yes. And we will, I will talk to you next week about our next talk. Yes. Talk to you all next week. Take care. Happy writing, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Music for this show was written and produced by Eric Mills. If you found this episode helpful, please rate and review on your favorite podcast app and spread the word so other writers can find us too. To get our Doing Diversity in Writing Toolkit, which includes all bonus material from Season 1, go to representationmatters.art. That's dot A-R-T. Here you will also find our episode show notes. Happy writing and see you next episode.